Hey, welcome to episode 19 of the Draft Champions Podcast. We're here today with uh, myself. Uh, you can find me at Zach Roto on Twitter. We have um, Craig McGee. You can find him at uh, cmcgee523. Correct. Oh, I got that right. And then we've got Johnny. We've got Johnny here again at MLB Moving AVG. How you doing? Yes, I'm so psyched to be back, man. Throwing back up that leaderboard and appearance. Oh, yeah. I think you're uh, tied for first. That's it, man. If this you're not first, you're last. Ah, it's going to be game 163 for you again. You versus uh, Mike the Mouth. Let's round table it. Oh, my God. Too much personality for one podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about best ball. That's uh, something that we haven't really touched on yet. And um, what I really want to get your thoughts on, because I don't play best ball. I'm in one best ball league. Um, that's all I've done is we're, I want to look at um, roster construction. And then I want to look at um, the, the, the differences between the, the scoring systems and, and the roster construction. And then maybe some players that um, you target in best ball that you wouldn't necessarily target in um, your rotisserie formats, like your draft champions and draft and hold leagues. And then, um, I guess, um, sort of in the same way, some, some late-round targets. Um, but first, um, we're going to get into our 2020, uh, 2020 vision segment. We're going to do some bold predictions. Um, uh, myself and Craig have, uh, have one each. So, Craig, uh, why don't you uh, start off? Okay. Uh, I'm going to do a bold prediction. I have not heard anybody uh, even mention this guy uh, <laughs> on any casts or anything. Um, I've taken him at the end with my 50th pick in, I think, two draft champions leagues. My bold prediction is that Ray Black of the Milwaukee Brewers will finish the season as the Brewers closer and close at least 10 games. Uh, the When you say close my, at least 10 saves or just uh, saves? Game? Yes, okay. saves. Okay. So my theory here is this is uh, so he came over as part of the uh, the Dubon trade that brought uh, Drew Pomerantz over, and uh, you know the front office was on record saying that uh, Ray Black was a big part of this trade. They targeted him. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I focus on, uh, you know, just kind of the same way you look at corporations, uh, I like to bet on the smart teams. Uh, some of the smart teams are hard to bet on, like Tampa Bay. You know, it's it's hard to bet on a team that is so smart that you can't even predict what they're going to do. But the Brewers are running uh, a great organization right now. When they identify players and they go after them, um, you know, I like to bet on those players. Ray Black, uh, he has an injury history, but the guy throws gas. He throws 100 miles an hour. Um, you know, he's just got nasty stuff. Uh, and really, this is about the rest of the bullpen. I'm I'm not a believer in uh, Knebel coming back from TJ. Uh, you know, he was already a control problem guy. Now you've got him coming back from from Tommy John. You know, is he really going to be able to control this stuff? Doubtful. Uh, I think the Brewers could possibly have a down year. I could see Josh Hader potentially getting traded. Uh, he's already come up in trade um, scenarios. And there are other options. You know, you don't know if uh, Freddie Peralta or Corbin Burns are going to be uh, good enough to actually uh, get into the rotation and stay there. So they could possibly be that. But it's a bold prediction, uh, about as bold as it gets. But uh, I, I do like Ray Black a lot as a kind of a sleeper uh, closer candidate. Uh, John, any thoughts on that? Well, I, you know, I have to admit, I had to look him up myself and. 
those K percentage numbers are off the charts. I, I, I didn't know what I was looking at. I thought I was looking at a bad hitter. 45, 37, 58, 52, 46. You know, it crossed different stops. Holy mackerel. I mean, just that alone um, is worth the attention. Me, I'm a bit of a game log guy. And I, of course, I was put off by the 5 ERA and 5.57 xFIP, not what you want to see. However, when you look across the appearances, there's only four hiccups. The rest are, it's funny, it's not even like, oh, the rest are zeros in the earn run column. The rest are straight up zeros. No hits, no walks, not, only strikeouts. Not, it's pretty unbelievable. And then the hiccups are, are as many hits as earned runs because there's a home run in there. So it's a bit of a home run problem. But, man, otherwise, this looks like the makeup of a, of a closer guy. There are a lot of if-thens baked in here. Um, and I guess it's pretty bold, but, man, it's not that bold that I wouldn't use my 50th pick on it. How many immaculate innings – or not immaculate, but, like, uh, I know that's uh, – I think that's three strikeouts on nine pitches. But I, uh, not, but I think I, I've seen a lot of one-inning pitch, three strikeouts, and nothing else. Well, I, I see here there were seven perfect innings in a row after giving up one of the home runs. And it's funny, you know, he came out and he gave up a home run in his first appearance, then it was too clean. Then he gave up a home run in the next yeah. one, and then he had seven clean. Then he gave up a home run, and it was two more clean. Then a home run. So, like, it's really kind of all or none. And I think at the very least, um, you know, you've piqued my interest, certainly, well, Again, you know, card, you, you made a lot of great points. There are trades that happen, and there's a lot of turnover at the position. So it's also it's not these, crazy. these numbers were coming back from injury, too. So, you know, you're going to get that inconsistency when, you know, the guy was out for a year and a half. But, um, you know, to come back and put up some pretty dominant innings, it definitely gets your attention. Yeah, absolutely. Great job. How about if I could point out that in, in 2018, where we had kind of the same problem with the six. 0.17 ERA, it was a 2.83 Sierra. So, you know, that kind of discrepancy is certainly worth another look. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, my bold prediction. Here it goes. This is going to be bold. So I've been I've been watching a lot of the, 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 the comments on the Houston Astros cheating and all the players, every player, I've never seen it. I've never seen it like this before where the players are actually speaking out. So, um, Without holding back, like you see him, uh, Chris Bryant, Bellinger, everyone, Judge, like it's like everyone's like out to get them, and it's like it's like a no holds bar. Um, the Astros, like it's going to be a problem for them. Like this is going to be a problem all year. They're going to get thrown at. They're going to get booed. Um, but you'll see. But you see that the players that aren't taking the heat are players that are on the, that, that were on that team that are no longer on that team, like JD Davis, like uh, Kemp, um, Garrett Cole. Well, not so much because he's a pitcher. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the Astros are not like they've been, first of all they have a new GM in there so that new GM really has no um, no um, past history with any of the players that they drafted or anything like that so what I'm gonna what I'm gonna say is that two hitters are traded off that team big big name hitters are traded off the Astros before the start of the season and those big name players and one of them could be Correa one of them could be Bregman I'm saying at least one of those two guys is gone. From the Astros before the start of the season. Wow. Too bold for my blood. Yeah. Too bold for my blood. Too close to the season. Too much at stake. And I think it's funny. I think I'm using 
your kind of base as my own uh, for the argument. I feel like by changing the heads, they feel like they've done enough of a job whitewashing it, um, you know, that it's it's done with. You know, they're, they, the people responsible at the top levels are no longer there. So they, you know, it's not just plausible deniability. They weren't physically a part of this. So they can just say, I wasn't here. That's not something I'm going to speak about. And then they'll give you the rest of the coach speak about one day at a time. So I'm kind of in the camp, you know, they're going to be trying their best to shove it under the rug as fans, you know, I don't think wider banking they're not, the, the people are not letting that happen though. That's my thing. I think like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a look at the Astros reserves players quite a bit in these uh, deep formats. Um, I think it's sort of like uh, when you spill grape juice on the rug and then and instead of trying like the, the stain's not coming up, but you just try to spread it around more so you can't see it as much and whatever's left over there is not as not as big of a stain you know if, if the patriots were a baseball team i would think this would have a better shot of happening because i feel like they would trade for one of these guys but uh i don't know that it i think you're right it, it would have had to have happened already uh now that's you know these guys are reporting and they're in camp it seems unlikely that a team is going to go mess with the chemistry i mean it isn't just fans and, i mean there are guys all over clubhouses that are just, I mean, these guys are pariahs right now. And it doesn't matter. Why, this, this is unprecedented. You can't say, oh, well, it's, it's the spring training. They're not going to mess with it. Like, nothing like this has ever happened before. Well, and Correa is, I mean, he's, he's never healthy. Like, I, I could maybe see it with Bregman, but, yeah, I mean, you've got these contracts to consider. I just, there's, there's a lot of moving parts for that to happen this close to the season. I mean, uh, Correa specifically, I don't think you're getting – you're not getting near what you think you deserve for a guy like that. I, I don't yeah. – he's – to me, he's impossible to trade. You know, you're going to be selling people on how this is going to be the year he's going to get, you know, 600 plate appearances. Bregman would absolutely get a haul. But then again, you know, really, you need a fit. And listen, the stain analogy is not totally lost on me here. Bregman's reputation is stained. It's not really attractive right now. I'm not saying there isn't a GM somewhere saying, oh, man, in two or three years, I want to buy low on this thing. But right now, nobody wants to be seen as bringing him in. I, I don't. I just don't think. I mean, and the, the, the Astros are not going to flip him for a cent on the dollar. So, I, you know, like I said, for me, this is, this is a little too bold for my blood. My, my check mark is with Ray Black before okay. this. Yeah, uh, well, I went, I went big, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> Okay, so now we're going to get into um, best ball, which is um, a, a game that I don't play a lot, and I don't think Craig plays a lot. But John, you play a lot of it, and there's yes. two there's two different formats that I want to look at. I want to look at the NFBC format, the cut line format, which I just did my first ever draft without really knowing what I was doing, and the um, fan tracks, which is um, the roster construction is different, and um, the uh, and the scoring system is a little bit different. So the rosters on the cut line for the NFBC. It's a 42-round draft, 10 teams, and um, the same the same roster positions um, as you would see in the draft and hold. So you got your two catchers, your five outfielders, nine pitchers. The rest is what you'd expect, and then you only have um, you only have 42 rounds, so your bench is a little bit smaller. Um, in terms of the point scoring, um, what I read something that Todd Zola wrote, and, and he said that the the hitting the hitters uh, uh, point system is supposed to mirror the five by five. Standard rotisserie scoring with a 99% correlation coefficient. Pitchers, 90%. So what you'll see here is you get um, uh, home runs are six points, stolen bases are five, a hit is four, a run is two, an RBI is two, but an at-bat, not a plate appearance, is minus one. 
Um, you got six points for wins, eight for saves, uh, three for innings pitched. So there's an there's an emphasis on those innings pitched. One point per K, and then you're you're ding for earned runs and hits. So that um, I, I I think John, I'm going to give the floor to John in a second, but that's basically um, it. It's different from the Fantrax best ball, John. How? It's it's pretty similar, of course. Cut line mirrors Roto, like you said. So there's not much of a change in your strategy, opposed to something I had mentioned earlier. That if you do run out of batting average guys, you then might want to queue up OBP guys because they won't get you those losses. And getting on base still opens up the door for you know steals and and runs scored. Other than that, cut line basically mirrors uh, five by five Roto. So I stick to my. It really, really is my bread and butter. It's my favorite game. I really can't say it enough about it. And I think it's it's positive and it can be applied, you know, to like a progressive strategy for beginners because the game start at $10 and they go all the way up to, you know, 100 bucks, and they run all the time. And it's, man, I just can't say enough about it. It's better than a mock draft because there's skin in the game and people are playing seriously mock drafts are stupid in my opinion no one takes them seriously and if you're gauging your draft actions off the actions of people that didn't have money on them when they made them i believe you're being misguided um that being said it is funny how people are you also don't know what that ten dollars means to somebody so that ten dollar entry might be a month you know of savings for someone and they're going to be going at it with vitriol and that's what i want especially in the off-season games and as much competition as I can because that's what I was getting at. There's so many layers to and positives to best ball because it's what took me from being a kind of home leaguer into now being able to really compete in deep, deep formats in the NFBC because I learned the draft board and how people were attacking it as the off-season progressed. You know, so that's pretty much the game in a nutshell and really what I love. I love that 50-50 payout because, again, you know, you're doing all of your – Drafting, obviously, in the draft room, but you need all your production for the entire year, you know, in one day. And that's very difficult, you know, to do. So I would rather not add on any extra risk in having to kind of shoot the moon to finish in generally, you know, leagues pay the top three places, let's say, give or take. You know, Uh, I don't want to have to do that because I believe in order to finish in the top three in best ball, you need to do things I don't want to do. You know, I think if you take a proper and well-researched approach towards um, this type of best ball, which, like I said, mirics, uh, mirics, it mimics a scoring league, a regular point league, you know, where a walk is equal to that single, you know, minus advancing extra runners. But as far as being rewarded for it goes. So if a walk gets the same amount of points as a single, you can now view on base percentage you know, rather than just average. And that in itself leaves a blind spot for a lot of people. Um, aside from just average, steals also, uh, with deteriorating and diminishing steals and speed in the game of baseball today, steals, of course, are, are being pushed up to the top of draft boards. They're really more or less irrelevant in points leagues. Listen, you get three points for a steal in fan tracks, which is more than the usual two. So it's something, but it's not enough. You're not going to be drafting a guy just because he steals bases. You'd much rather have a guy who's getting on base at a 40% clip, you know, in a strong um, lineup, you know, so there you have what, you know, why I like it because of the payout structure 
and the type it is. Uh, fan tracks on the pitching end, it mirrors NFBC in that you play um, nine pitchers, even though, of course, it's not categories, it's points. There's also no position minimum. So on a given week, if you like the matchups for all your starters, and remember, I, I always stress format and scoring dependency. So you really have to understand in this type of best ball format the way that it's scored. Okay, the computer does everything. The computer sorts out the lineup. The computer takes the best scores for each week and banks those. And then you reset again on Monday. So there's kind of a few things to unpack just from that little piece of information, you know, that maybe some people are overlooking, right? I mean, uh, one would probably be booming bus guys. And that's something that guys we had mentioned before. And uh, this can apply to hitters. But in my opinion, it really applies to pitchers because in best ball, you only get scored for the very best weeks and you don't get any score for the very bad weeks. Pitchers, like the same way that high on base guys, low average hitters can stand out. Pitchers that can put together very strong individual starts are really beneficial to a team even if they also have the same amount of meltdowns, which at the end of the year kind of gives them this mediocre player card. And, you know, you might see somebody, uh, somebody I had mentioned to the guys earlier was Marco Gonzalez is probably a great example of this. And I, I try and get him on, you know, the deepest parts of my best ball teams because, and if you follow any of my work at the athletic, I kind of developed a new quality start tier for this reason. Also, right. A lot of these things and improvements in the game that kind of work together are analysis of pitching on a per start basis. So I wanted to highlight these starts, so I started to highlight money starts. And Marco Gonzalez is a guy who year after year is a leader in quality starts. He also plays for a very bad team and tends to get roughed up at times, giving him that mediocre player card. But that doesn't diminish his value at his price in best ball. So there's nine million words on my introduction. <laughs> so I think the other thing, the other thing you know, another difference between. Um... Uh, fan tracks and the NFBC is there are waivers in the NFBC cut line. That's another important thing to to note. Yeah, right. In in right. See, I had said that right. The 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 best ball that I play, um, everything happens on that day. And for me, that's an, another selling point. Um, I'm a very busy man. I have a super hot wife and two beautiful kids. <laughs> I have a job. I have a lot of other stuff I'm doing. I'm always. You know, trading professionally. You know, I'm very, very, very busy. And then baseball starts. I start with the moving averages algorithm. I'm handicapping every day on top of playing fantasy baseball. Things really get hectic for me. I so don't have to manage. Fantrax doesn't have to be managed. Me and you played. It was the fairest version for me. You know, that as much as the adding to your team and cut line, I get can sound kind of appealing. My problem now is with that very same guy whose entire life depends on that $10 now, taking it way more seriously to me and putting in more time, giving him a, an advantage, in which case, uh, you know, that's another ding for me on Cutline. I don't want that. I don't want to give anyone a chance to take advantage of how busy I am. In fan tracks, once the last pick is made, the door is closed, the, you know, the lock gets put on it, and, and that's it. I'll tell you, uh, I'm, I'm somebody that I've never done a, uh, a best ball on, on fan tracks, but... Uh, I, I am a draft and hold guy, so there's a correlation there. Uh, I've, I've played in uh, a lot of uh, points leagues and OBP leagues, and uh, you know 
this concept of this fan tracks league is is pretty intriguing to me, and I, I think I'm going to uh, definitely uh, take the plunge. But uh, you know, immediately I start thinking about some of the ways to you know, and I'm hoping you could kind of touch on this and give some some pointers. Uh, it seems obvious that you know ratios don't matter. So you know, guys that you could throw out there to get those two start weeks weeks. So you know, maybe you're um, you're fading some of the top SPs and, and you're, you're trying to gain, gain quantity of, um, you know, some lower tier pitching so that you can constantly uh, benefit from those two start weeks from guys who uh, in Roto might be killing you with ratio issues. Uh, is that, that, that's gotta be a big strategy with this. Is that correct? Well, it, it's, it's hard to gauge usage. You know, there's when we're talking about draft, that's a draft and hold issue, really, when you are when you actually set your lineup. Um, best of all, there, there's no setting at all. So the computer's going to do all of that for you. The best thing you could do to try and maximize starts is either to get guys in the top of the rotation or guys that are generally healthy and giving you, you know, 32 starts. To that point, I mean, you know, again, because the door kind of shuts after the last pick is made, Durability is is very important, particularly particularly on the pitching end. But yeah, Craig, you know what I mean. You can't really line up two starts; doesn't work that way. No, I know. I I don't, and I didn't mean that you're actually setting those lineups. But if you've got seventeen, you know, tier three, four, and five starters, you know, guys like Chris Archer or um, you know a, a Jake Odorizzi who might not be. You know, he's going to get pulled, uh, you know, after six, but, you know, he's going to get a lot of wins for that team. You know, you're, you're, you're vesting in lower tier pitching options and maybe loading up on that offense because, you know, when Odorizzi pitches twice in a week, there's a good chance he's going to get two wins. And, you know, you don't have to worry about putting him in your lineup, but he may end up being one of those scoring SPs that you've got. Well, uh, again, I'm speaking particularly and specifically towards fan tracks. Um, the scoring is weighed out pretty evenly. Gotcha. Um, last year, Garrett Cole was the top scoring player. If that was Acuna, then Trout. Um, you know, but DeGrom is 10, and then Scherzer gets in. After that, it starts to uh, go with pitchers really all the way mixed in. So, um, Gotcha, because wins are only yeah, three. It, That's it, a good yeah, point. It's weighted, it's weighted pretty evenly. Evenly, I think where the pitchers get a boost perhaps is, again, read those rules, become familiar with them. You get three points for a quality start. Um, so I think, gotcha. yeah, where where a pitcher might have fallen behind in leagues that don't reward that, um, let's say you get, you know, uh, a really good starter is going to give you, I don't know, maybe like 20 quality starts. That's Anything above 20 is very, very good. You know, at three extra points a time, it's 60 points. But again, it's really funny because you, you really can't score all those because you don't know, you know, it's going to depend on the timing. Um, what's funny about that I have heard people address with having too much front end pitching is that they're all going to go at the same time, which might leave you with empty weeks. But I haven't seen enough hard data where I'm ready to make that actionable, although I get it's something worth thinking about. Probably um, happens like right after the All Star break, they reset. Yes, right. Yes, that's yeah. that exactly. I tend to think after nine or ten weeks pass by, there's off days and missed days or whatever, you know, and and it kind of comes out in the wash. Um, but um, to stay on the two start thing and those big single weeks, you know, I I never let my starting pitchers 
run out. So the second thing, after reading the rules and, of course, understanding the payout, knowing that you want to be a part of the contest, being first, the second one is roster construction. It is so critical. And this even reaches beyond the people that are draft champions players. Like They understand. You know, you're being allotted a very limited amount of spots to cover a lot of roster spaces for a very long time. You know, and that's in any of these, right? In draft champions, you get uh, 50 spots for 22. And in fan trucks, I guess it's it's 40 spots for for 22. Um, it might be... I think it's, I think it's 23 uh, active spots. I actually think it's your sheet list. Uh... It's third, I'm sorry. Fantrax is 13 bats and nine. Yeah, it is 22, right? They kind of even that out. So for people that are NFBC guys, um, as you hear us work through the kind of roster construction, it's really not a far cry from what you're used to, right? The only difference is it's not two catchers. It is five outfielders, but they also tack on three utility, um, you know, which is critical because that's going to take three of the next best guys um, to not discourage you from backing up your infielders, let's say. Because, man, it, when you're gauging these deep, deep pools, um, you must already have done your accounting of when they're, you know, going to run out um, by position. Uh, and more broadly, between pitching and hitting. So, and if you follow me in any of these leagues, you'll see I always have some high-end pitching because that's the big strikeouts. That's the big innings I think you need at least one or two of those guys. After that, I'm coming back to my pitching at the end. Why? Because it's there at the end. If you believe that you're going to fill in your third, and that's my key. The reason I say third is because with 40 spots, right, and there's, uh, let's see, there's, 40 spots, and like we said, 12. So it's 12 on offense. So, you know, you really hardly get – it's less than two players per each spot when you start. So you really need guys that kind of cross, and you certainly must have at least three at each position. And it's funny. When I say strict, I really mean strict. Like you can't go four. And if you find yourself in a spot where you have a fourth player in a position that you could have drafted, you probably made a mistake somewhere else. It's very difficult to come out of a 40-round draft and look back and say, I have three viable first basemen, three viable second basemen, three viable third baseman shortstop. Then, you know, forget five outfielders, right? If you're going three, you can't go to 15. There aren't enough spots. When you break down those numbers, like that that roster allotment, and you go three at each one, it only leaves you with 12 outfielders. That leaves you with 13 pitchers overall. So it's really, really, really strict to think, wow, you only have 13 pitcher, you know, roster spots to cover nine starters for an entire season. And where I'm going with this, uh, hopefully not too like too kind of circuitously, is you really need dependency, and you better not be throwing away any pitching picks on you know too many backup uh, relievers and whatnot. That's only going to come back and be a disservice to you. So I, I don't know if I've got to kind of everything. I hope I started touching bases on how we're kind of just at the very 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 beginning of this, right? If your uh, S ball roster is a giant slab of concrete that we're going to sculpt 
you know, I don't have the little, 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 little pickaxe out yet because we're not there yet, right? Right now I'm still kind of using a, a sledgehammer of sorts, you know, to kind of whack off big pieces. So I don't know, guys, did I, did I start framing that properly? Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. I, but I think I think what uh, the point that I, I took from it was um, the um, position, uh, multi-position eligibility would be key um, in these type oh, of yes. formats. Well, it also so, it, it that's obvious for for later value taking value as well. I mean, in in the fifty round draft and holds, you know, the first one I did, I took Bregman and Garrett Hampson. That gives me flexibility. I then pushed up Nico Goodrum, Marwin Gonzalez. I uh, took Candelario and David Bodie. You know, I got all these guys because, you know, last year there was one team that was just decimated. And putting up those zeros, uh, you know, when when the when the timing of these injuries happen and pile up as they always seem to happen, you know, this by by stacking all of these guys that play all over the place, now in the in the last you know, 10 rounds of your draft, you can take shots wherever you want because you're not worried about getting that backup, like you said, and stacking, you know, three deep at every single position because you've already done that with one or two guys uh, that, that give you that flexibility. Well, I hope people are paying close attention to that list that you just dropped because, yeah, those are guys that you really want to be focused on. I know they're not exactly the most exciting. David Fletcher, another one. Yeah, listen, it's a, it's a war of attrition, these leagues, you know, and you you got to have plate appearances and at-bats if you're going to, you know, compete and you're going to win. So once I kind of collect, you know, the truly impactful guys that I really, really want, you know, you're never going to bypass, you know, top 100 guys for, you know, Marvin Gonzalez, let's say. But the next group that I'm looking at are those guys where I think the average drafter starts looking at prospects. And that, I believe, is misguided. Um, forget the fact they have a low rate of coming right up and producing. Who are you to say that you're not going to need somebody the first week of the season? It's only February. I've already lost um, Mike Clevenger. I've already – it looks like uh, Byron Buxton is, like, banged up or something. So, you know, you need replacements before what? opening day. Um, yeah, I thought I saw something about Buxton. I hope I'm not – hope I'm not. No, no, I just – surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, but the point remaining true, right? Um, people overlook playing time. Zach, you and I spoke about this when we were deep diving NFBC draft champ leagues. People bypass playing time for, I don't know, I guess it's rational exuberance, but it's borderline irrational exuberance. Because, I don't know, they're just a lot more confident in players' health and filling out these positions, a lot more so... Than, than I am, you know, and let's not forget as people are getting sharper because we're getting closer to opening day, you know, a lot of those value picks you were falling back on, oh, I'm getting this guy at this point, this guy at this point. They're not, not happening. Daring. Not happening anymore. Uh, to, to this point, um, how do you value Otani in these best ball leagues? Because like he does, like he does have, he will have the multi-position and multi, he will cross, he will transcend um, borders in terms of pitching and hitting. How, how do you value him? Okay, I'm, I'm actually glad you brought him up, especially while we were on topic of, like, people that, you know, being format dependent. Um, when dealing with fan tracks, again, we're, we're, I read the rules. I've read, reread them, and three read them. Players don't have multi-position eligibility. How did I let that, you know, pass me? As we were talking about it, how important it is, and I was kind of thinking about draft and hold. On fan tracks, players are assigned 
a single position, and that's what they play. So Otani specifically, I don't. I never have any Otani because somebody always values him more than I do. That being said, if it was a daily league, I could see taking him in like the second round. Like, so I'm not trying to put him down. I just don't think he fits into many puzzles. On fan tracks, he's outfield only. And I guess it sounds good. He's going to start the year to hit. But I couldn't use a top 1 in 25 pick on a guy who's going to pitch, and you're not going to get any of those points. So how, know? Well, where, is he, where is he being taken in these fan tracks leagues? Like, what His he- ADP on fan tracks is 126. So oh. it's a 12-team league. So you figure in like the 10th or 11th round, which I know sounds really, really, really appealing. It does. And if I knew he was going to even hit all year, um, that would be definitely worth it. But again, um, I, like I said, I, I, remember, I can't believe I didn't mention that before as we were talking about the advantages and multiple you know, eligibility being one of those. It's not in fan tracks. And so for people that are first-timers, Craig, if you're going to jump on, before you do, hop on that ADP and the position stuff and kind of scroll around. You know, there's some, there's some guys that have interesting ones that kind of changes it. Like, uh, yeah. I, believe, I believe Glaber Torres is, uh, is a third base only. So what? like that kind of yeah I think I, I I'm almost like I'm almost positive that makes no sense no 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 I'm sorry Glaber Torrance is short I'm sorry shortstop only but I always want him as a second baseman like that's where I see him shining because of the depth at shortstop sorry I yeah that. yeah but, for they, sure. but yes but but that kills him for me you know where you can't you know you you can't move him and now when you stick him into that ultra deep shortstop pool he kind of definitely doesn't reflect the 35 you know. ADP. Um, let's see. I kind of touched on how people forget to translate, right? They forget to shift those rankings properly. It's not just a matter of, oh, this guy was the 10th round Roto, so, and I know he's going to be a little more valuable, so that means the ninth round. That's not necessarily um, how it goes. You know, there are some guys, you know, we, of course, we touched upon um, on base percentage and how critical that is. But, like, what about the guys that also, you know, kill the baseball? You know, the big the big home run guys that are also um, big OBP guys, I guess some of them, you know, their averages are not great. And if you could find ones with walk rate, that's even better. But let's see. Who was I looking at? Listen, I mean, uh, whatever. Mr. Mr. Habitually Undervalued. Um, Nelson Cruz, right? He was ninth in home runs, but I guess it's tied for, like, seventh. This guy's a 392 on base percentage, and he just destroys the baseball constantly. It's amazing that, you know, you. I just got him earlier today at 78. So guys of, of his ilk, uh, I'd like to point out Stanton also. Stanton is being forgotten, and I feel like maybe people are worrying about average or health. There does come a point he fell to pick 67 where you have to say, okay, because – Giancarlo Stanton's ceiling in a point league is like a top three overall hitter. You can't, you know, scoff at that. You can't just forget that. And remember, we're building deep teams. A good way to back up playing time is with backups, kind of similar to football, having that handcuff. You know, Stanton, listen, man, you could double back if you have Stanton. Maybe you're going to get yourself a little bit of Talkman. You know, maybe you're going to make sure you get maybe Clint Frazier in the last round. Whereas now if I'm worried about Stanton's health, 
if I know I have Talkman and Clint Frazier, there's potential that that's two of the three starting Yankee outfielders, and I'm rolling through the end of the season. So I know I touched on a couple of things. It's like that guy who spins plates on sticks, you know. Sometimes you have to leave him spinning. You have to write that's a good analogy. Spinning. Yeah, yeah. Eric Brent, in case people were wondering, uh, from uh, Ed Sullivan and Gong Show fame. You know, you have to leave it spinning, and, you know, there's sometimes there's 10 plates spinning, and sometimes I feel like I have a lot more than that. But as long as I come back before it falls off the stick, I think it's very important to be incorporating different theories all at once because everyone else is. I right? think we're going to have to make you a new, uh, a new Twitter avatar or something with spinning plates. All right, we're gonna. I'm gonna drop. I'm gonna drop the gif on the uh, after you guys. After you guys release the pod, I'm gonna I think, drop. I think you're trying to trying to uh, take the take the league lead in obscure references over like Mike the Mouth as well. You know, our, I, you know what's funny? I have always. I guess it's kind of shows right a little bit in my analysis. I've always been a bit of a steel trap with stuff like that. So especially when it comes to things I was obsessed with when I was like a kid. And forget it, you know, just, oh, man, you know, I can name every Ninja Turtle character still and probably like 65 G.I. Joes, just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, I guess we're, we've sort of already touched on it a little bit, but I wanted to get your thoughts on some players you're, you'd really target in these best ball formats. Yeah. I know I know it's different in, um, I guess, the, I, I guess the two formats, the two different best balls we're talking about are different. But um, are there any players that you're on in your best balls that you aren't on? At, on your draft champion. So I guess, yeah. So who, who, who would you be targeting in best ball that you wouldn't really be thinking about in your DCs? Well, uh, that's probably some of the guys we mentioned before, because that in that one, we're looking for the greatest discrepancies in OBP and BA, you know? So that's somebody where I, I am definitely the conductor of the Joey Gallo train for this year where he can still be difficult to take in draft champions because as much as I love him, I'm very realistic, you know, and open-minded to the fact of, you know, the batting average going back down where it was. So having such a large discrepancy, especially when we're talking about like percentile, right? So his 389 OBP is probably in the top like 10 percentile. His 253 batting average is probably in like the 50th percentile. That's such a large difference in what essentially is a counting category. So, you know, him, he gets all the fan tracks love. I can't – people just haven't put it together. That's what I'm saying. I keep beating the drum on, you know, making sure you adjust your rankings for format. But you mentioned before, Hoskins – Hoskins did not have a disappointing season in best ball. Hoskins was amazing in best ball, you know. But ADP doesn't reflect – the best ball standings, it reflects Roto standings. So ignore the Roto finish and ignore the Roto ADP. You use it slightly as a guide, but for best ball formats particularly, I mean, I might even go so far as to say it's the only one that I, I really go out of my way to customize my rankings because they're so far out of whack. Don't get me wrong. If I you know if I queue up an NFBC ranking, I don't draft off it, but it's close enough that with a little bit of scrolling up or down, I know where I am. This is, I find, kind of completely different. You know, this is kind of completely different. You know, again, we, you nailed Biggio, who's going much later than he should. Hoskins is going later than he should. And Gallo is going later than he should. Um, Mark Conna is another one of those guys, man. He's somebody I kind of like anyway. 396 OBP, monstrous. Only, you know, the 273 batting average 
wasn't terrible, but to give you an idea that he's the has the 18th largest discrepancy, but it's with a 273 average. So he's not a sinkhole in draft champions, but I know uh, you asked which guys I would maybe discard in one or the other. Make sure you're giving him the proper boost. You know, Josh Donaldson, huge boost if he's not getting it from you already. Carl Santana, kind of, you know, a little boring. He gets the boost. Bryce Harper gets a boost up top. You know, this this fantasy-relevant guys that are just not being valued properly. Um, and Schwarber, Schwarber? It's a big – it's definitely a big deal. You know, I was kind of expecting – I was expecting to see Schwarbs, and maybe last year just didn't make the cut. And and it had before because I I'm with you. I really thought it would be on him. No, he's not. He's not. You know, I actually it's funny. I hadn't I haven't actually flipped I haven't actually flipped the list and it's like so you look at guys that have the guys that have the the smallest, you know, discrepancy and it's funny, a lot of them man, a lot of this is probably tied to fantasy irrelevance, right? Because having the smallest discrepancy between OBP and BA generally means you have a very low on base percentage. Um, there's very few people on this list that even hit over, you know, 260, let's say. There's guys uh, like Harold. David Fletcher, though, who, like, either hit it or they don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? I'm looking at this, this This list is really not, man, there's not much, there's really not much to it. I, maybe I would call this more of a red flag list, you know, fantasy-relevant names. Um, you got Eddie Rosario up in the top five. You know, uh the, the BA is, is good, but the on-base was not. I mean, Nick uh, Madrigal's going to be in there because, I mean, that guy is either – he's going to put the bat on the ball or, you know, in every at-bat. I, I don't see him getting walked off. If I were to read you the majority of these names, it sounds like a list of irrelevance. Uh, Starlin Castro, Javier Baez, um, Elvis Andrews, Didi Gregorius, mm. Gio Arshella, Danny Santana, and I probably caught it there. So, um, in reverse, there's probably not as many guys that catch a ding as there are guys that catch a boost, which, from a strategic point of view, I think is a good thing for us because it won't, you know, there aren't too many red flags in the other way. So, kind of let people stick with their, you know, preconceived notions coming in, which are misguided. And we should be there to basically scoop up most of these guys. You know, we want – oh, one guy um, – you had mentioned Grandal, but, you know, let's not forget how big of a difference that was, right? 246 BA, who he's a guy that is fantasy viable in Roto. He has a 380 OBP. You know, he's probably the top catcher in today, this year for me in, you know, in uh, best ball leagues. So there's – where people talk about you have to reach for a catcher – uh, you don't really need Real Muto, maybe. You know, now I want Grandal, and just make sure you get him around earlier than he should go. But that's still two rounds later than in reality he really should go in this format. So listen, listen, kind of listening to you talk on, on fan tracks just makes me realize how different the 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 cut line is than fan tracks. It's like they're totally different. No, it's not. To be honest, it, it, the only thing they share is the name Best Ball. Um, that's it. There's they're not similar at all. Um, because, yeah, because these cut lines mirror the Rotos format. Because right, that's real, exactly real, right. You know, real, 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 like if you look at the points, if you look at the catchers, Real Muto uh, last year's points at five ninety nine. Next was Grandel at four ninety six. But right after him, like seven less points was Garver. So all then you got a bunch of you got you got a bunch of catchers from Grandel down to Narvarez, eighty points apart. When you look at say like all the utility guys, like. 
there's a much bigger discrepancy between the elite, elite um, other position players other than catcher than the catcher. So Grandel doesn't really help you that much. What you'll see in this. Well, in I think this year, I think maybe I'm higher on him going forward. I think I'm, I'm talking. I, about, was, I think I we're talking right apples and oranges. You're talk, I'm talking cut line. You're talking about uh, fan tracks. Yeah, 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 yeah. But right, like right. here, you'll yeah here you're gonna have like your best players. Uh, Trout's not even your number one player. Like Yellick and Acuna are your top two point getters from last year, and Bellinger. But like the guys that are gonna get like because hits are four points, you're gonna get lot. You're gonna get guys like Arenado, Devers. Um, and somebody that must, I, I think is huge in this format is Kettle Marte because he has double position eligibility. And um, uh, like just if he, if he has anything close to a year like last year, he's going to get a lot, of, a lot of hits and a lot of runs and fill up all those categories so that uh, you get points for here. So he, like, he's a very valuable guy. Um, but I do but I do see that I don't it, 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 it's sort of counterintuitive that it is mirror, mirrors it does mirror Roto, but then um, what what was what was the scoring settings? Home runs and stolen between home runs and stolen bases. Do you do you guys remember? What on you talking about on uh, cut line? On cut line because yeah, hold on, hold on. Let's I'm let's, let's, let's get the draft. Let's, I don't want right to. I want to have it right. I have it right in front of me. I have it right in front of me. And listen, it gets a little wild. Some people, right? So you would get four points for getting a hit. You would get six points for getting a home run. You're at ten. Let's say it's a solo shot. You would get two for the ribby. You're at twelve, and you would get. Uh, two for the run, 14, and then I guess you lose one because it's an at-bat, so you're at 13. So a home run is worth 13. A solo shot's worth 13 points. Right. So in, I'm just looking at that. At, okay, so I'm not saying it doesn't mirror rotor, but I think I'm, I'm just sort of uh, making, sense of, making sense of this in my head. I'm thinking about it for, for, for the first time because I'm seeing D. Gordon go in round 42 as the one, two, three, four, fifth last pick of the entire draft. Um, he goes higher than that in, in your DC formats. And I like, I'm out on him this year. I don't think he's any good, but this just goes to show you that you don't need a balanced team in this, uh, NFBC cut line. So it doesn't like the scoring mirrors a roto, but, the but conceptually it's completely not rotisserie because you don't need those, those stolen bases are, if you're getting five points for a steal and six points for a home run, and I know you're getting even more for a home run because you're, you're getting all those other automatic categories as well that the stolen bases being more scarce, they're just you're just not getting rewarded for them enough. So there really is no sense of focusing on your stolen base guys. So guys I'm, like Tatis and Larry, like Tatis and Alvis Andrews, all those guys are garbage in this, I think. Well, I kind of, you, you talking about stolen bases kind of brings up why, why I like point league so much, you know, because with, you know, that diminishing speed in the game that I mentioned before, you know, it's a game we play, so supply and demand, the demand is going up, and the demand is has probably, like, disproportionately rise to where I feel like assessing point league hitters uh, is probably a little more pure, and uh, not to sound, like, snooty about it, but I just mean, you know, listen, steals are nice, and they're part of a game, and it's a separate skill, and I, like, get all that, but we're talking about, like, you know, racking up bases and, and, and stuff and Guys, I particularly don't like uh, using average in Roto because I feel like drawing a walk is a hell of a skill. You know, it's yeah. not an easy thing to do. Pitchers throw strikes, and it's not easy to get on base. And I, I just don't feel like the reward is there for those guys we mentioned that get on base at these elite clips, and they get no reward for it. They should not be discarded. And I feel like they're more properly valued in best ball. Just the players haven't really caught up to that yet. So I, I found, think, 
Yeah. Steals are fluky too. They're as fluky as saves. I've, and, and nobody really talks about that. And we put all these guys in, you know, in the first round, uh, you know, that potentially are going to steal, but you know, th- they get hurt. And then after they come back, we expect them, Oh, they're just going to pick it back up and maybe they stop running. You know, Altuve is a perfect example of that. Uh, and you know, you've also got guys potentially who are on crappy teams who run, but then either they get traded to a good team or their team gets better. And the next year, maybe they run less because, uh, you know, they, they don't want to be running into outs because the games mean more. So it's a, it's a lot flukier than people really give it credit as yeah, a category yeah. as well. Yes. So do you, guys, do you guys have any specific players, like specific players you target or um, I, I'll, I'll throw it out to Craig. Do you have any, do you have any um, theories? Uh, I know you're new to best ball as well. That would be, any type of players you, you you think would be valuable and you, that might give you an edge? Well, and 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 maybe I can uh, put this into a question since I I admit that I'm you know I'm I'm really sitting here I'm intrigued because I'm trying to work out strategies. Um, you know, John, I, I spent a little time uh, looking at some of the you know thinking. Okay, this is a forty. Uh, you know, 480 players drafted. I got to think, you know, and you've touched on a lot of the early round, you know, first, you know, 25 to 30 picks, you know, you've got pretty good breakdown of the strategy. And now I'm thinking, okay, well, what am I looking at toward the end of drafts? And I'm starting to think platoon splits might be a good thing. Obviously, if it's a platoon split that's 50-50, you don't really want that as much because you're going to have half weeks of scoring. However, there are these anomalies, you know, in various divisions. Uh, for example, can you guys tell me how many right now, uh, how many start, uh, left-handed starting pitchers there are in the NL East scheduled for, uh, for projected for uh, opening day? I can uh, think of Steven Matz. Patrick Corbin. Oh, Corbin? Corbin? Is that it? Fred uh, and Caleb Smith. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Right, That's right, it. Right. So wow. you've got four lefties. So now I'm sitting here looking at guys like Matt Joyce, maybe a little too deep, but Jay Bruce and Eric Thames. Those guys, I mean, when they play the Phillies and, uh, you know, the Mets, they're going to see a full week of at-bats and those guys crush lefties. Uh, you know, the same could be said about the NL Central, where you've got. Uh, you mean they, cr- they crush righties? I crush righties. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, the the NL Central, the only lefties there: Eric Lauer, Brent Suter, uh, Quan Young Kim, which we don't know what we're going to get there. Quintana, Lester, Stephen Brault, and Wade Miley. That's it. So you've got a whole division there where you've got guys like uh, Eric Sogard, for example, who could bat lead off against all those nice uh, righty matchups. Uh, and there's a guy also who, who potentially could be uh, gained some positional eligibility. Um, Ian Happ is another one who he crushes righties. You know, he's going to be seeing almost all righties whenever you get those divisional matchups. So I can almost guarantee you that some of those pitchers, like at least 40% of those pitchers you mentioned in the central won't be pitching in a rotation by like June. Right, but I mean, when they play the Cardinals, I mean, Ian Happ's playing all week because it's you know it's all it's all righties. And I, I guess my question is is and that's another thing about the NL East. You look at a team like the Mets; they have one lefty in the pen, Justin Wilson. So they can't even match up that well, um, you know, against teams that are going to be 
and, uh, and, and the new rule where they you can't uh, switch a pitcher out. They, they got to right. they got they got to finish the inning or pitch to three batters. So exactly. that, that, I think the guys like your Bellingers or like even the top end guys aren't, aren't going to see as many of those tough lefties. I, I I'd, I'd imagine. So I think there might you might get a bump for even Alvarez. You're not you're not Alvarez. Yeah. So I mean another uh, yeah, anomaly is uh, is in the AL Central. So uh, right now you've got now that Clevenger's down, you've got Logan Allen in there, but that's a righty heavy lineup. Uh, twins have all righties, no lefties. Devin, Devin Smelter is kind of their sixth starter, but, uh, or maybe even seventh, uh, once Pineda's back. But so, uh, now all of a sudden the Nomar Mazzara trade looks brilliant because here's a guy who crushes righties and he's had struggle. He struggled against lefties in his career and his, uh, division opponents with the unbalanced schedule is going to be a ton of right-handed pitching. So all of a sudden, a guy like that, I feel like, gets a boost where if he draws a week with, you know, a lot of righties, that could be a big scoring week in a best ball. Uh, obviously, you're not getting Nomar Mazzara after round, you know, 30 uh, in a best ball with 480 players drafted. But certainly Jay Bruce, Eric Thames, um, you know, uh, uh, Justin Smoke, who, who's, you know, kind of the same um, – hits righties really well, Eric Sogard, um, you know, another you look at the Dodgers. They don't have to play themselves. That's where all the lefties are out there. But Jock Peterson, Matt Beattie, guys like that who, you yeah, know, we people, can be, uh, the list goes on. Like, uh, they're overlooking I want to get, get John's thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, well, I think your thinking is great. I, I think you might be overshooting the depth of these a little bit with some of those guys. Um, cause like, listen, like I said, I love the, the process is perfect and you're in line with what it will translate into winning 1000%. However, it's 12 teams and not 15 teams, you know, so the draft pool is exhausted at uh 480 and you figure you're going to have a little bit more pitching than hitting going. So you probably get, I don't know, the top 230 hitters. So if you're outside of the top 230 hitters, give or take a few, you probably overshot it a little bit. Somebody like Hap falls right into that. That's a great pick. So that's what I mean. I didn't want to try and demean what, what you're doing because you're on the money. But, like, you mentioned Justin Smoke. Justin Smoke is really at the back, back, back end of this. You know, he's been going, like, 450 to 475. So when you're at that point, he's at the very end. So I agree with, you know, again, with the guys and the method. I would just, I don't think you're going to get to like Jay Bruce or uh, Matt Joyce. or I don't think we're going to get, I don't think we're going to get that far. Because, yes. um, I, you know, I, well, I want to circle back to the, the very first thing you said had me like stand up straight as an arrow. And I, I'm glad I remember now. Um, yes, you're correct. The very first thing you said, I think, is something we need to hammer home for those getting into the game and trying to advance strategically is begin to think in pairs, right? Once you run out of singles that are awesome, begin to think in pairs. There are plenty of, like, corresponding or kind of correlative picks um, to be had that when you add them up, especially when you have the computer driving it, because, you know, there are a lot of players in the league, you know, it's tough. We They're going to produce, but we don't know exactly when. Um, I kind of think about Howie Kendrick, right? So I do a lot of stat work. Howie Kendrick stats from last year – kind of look like that of a power hitter, you know, like the four hitter on a slugging team. And obviously that wasn't the case. You know, he played sparingly and when he did, he was great. I don't know if one had to do with the other, but the fact is the facts are the facts. You couldn't really play Howie Kendrick all year because he was a couple games here and a couple games there. 
So if it's not, you know, if the the production is not consistent enough, I guess for some guys they can be dangerous. But to have best ball sorted out for you, you didn't have to do any guesswork with a guy also like, you know, Howie Kendrick. If he went on that three-week tear, you got every bit of that. Where you might not have in a Roto League where, you you know, you're making your lineup in a draft champion saying, am I really going to start? You know what I mean? You kind of have to start him and predict playing time. You know, so uh, I'm trying to think of some some correlative guys that we've had. Sometimes I think in terms of teams also, right? So if just because fan tracks and the game, the format is going to limit you to a single position, um, all we need is at bats, right? So if Danny Santana, he's a listed first baseman, if he plays the entire year as an outfielder, we really don't care. You know, so that's somewhere where the position eligibility does matter to us because it's going to translate into actual playing time, even though it doesn't count differently for our our scoring um a team i've had a lot of i know zach you and i've spoke about this is i kind of have a lot of the oakland athletics i find in general they're being discounted um aside from matt olson who now is kind of he kind of priced himself out for me um I, like i said i spoke to Derek cardi earlier today his bat projections just dropped and if you guys want to see something i want to try and drive a point home about about uh, value and kind of name value here. And it had to do with Matt Chapman and Matt Olson. And if you were to go just by the bat projections, they're the same exact person. I mean, they have a difference in two doubles, three home runs, four runs, five ribbies, two walks, and one point of batting average. I mean, it's pretty three points of Woba. It's really, really close, except... Olsen is going 45 picks before Chapman. So when I say I'm stacking A's, I mean beyond Chapman. I want Chapman. I want Crush Davis. I want Cotta. What about Loriano? What about Loriano? You know, Loriano's kind of getting priced out of my – he's kind of getting priced out of my league too. And I think it's because of that very same um, inability to translate properly across formats – I think people are chasing his steals. Uh, okay, so we're talking about best ball because yeah, 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 I, yeah we're talking all best ball, but yeah, but ro- 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 Roto, is, Roto is where the, like I, I really like Loriano and a Roto. Not oh yeah, not I the, like Lor- I like Loriano too. Um, it's it's funny that you mentioned him because the uh, we had to ask him about that. The bat is extremely low on Loriano. Extremely oh, low. yeah, two forty seven batting average, which would be like his lowest by far. And even on a full complement of plate appearances, six twenty-six, he only has fourteen steals. Yeah, so there were some we, red flags with him. I, I I don't disagree with a with a little too oh, much well, helium okay, on him. And, uh, no one, I don't <laughs> signing up with Derek Hardy is a is a good place. To where, is, where, where, where is where is the where is the justification to pay his batting average that low? He's been a high batting average guy all throughout the minors too. Well, again, remember it's uh, Derek's. It's it's all process based, right? He doesn't yeah. use his opinion. So it was funny because we were asking about individual people and he was like, I don't like, I don't know. You know, he said, I, I'm <laughs> now, well, it's not like he doesn't know, like he has no idea. I didn't mean it like that. I mean, no, yeah. you know, he doesn't, he didn't input this. So he has to analyze it himself is what I mean. You know, okay. and, I, I, before I comment, I need, I need, he knows why, but I need to understand the bad before I make any comments because I don't, I don't, I don't know the process. Yeah. Well, <laughs> trust me. There's one thing, if it's coming from Derek Cardi, 
you know, I assure you it's well-researched. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. But that doesn't mean that it's correct. And and I certainly pushed back against him on, on quite a few things. You know, so, but so, he's broke. So, John, let me when, – when you finish these, these uh, best ball leagues, there's – Usually the the same pattern holds true. You you pretty much have no speed on your team because most of the people that jump into these, uh, probably the majority that haven't done them before, haven't properly adjusted for the value that they just – it's like ingrained in them to uh, push speed up. So you probably end up with a bunch of slow sluggers. Is that yeah, – um... I'm nodding my head. I'm looking at a. I'm, I put my money where my mouth is. I am currently drafting a Fantrax 100. I got Anthony Rendon at 19, Aaron Judge at 30, Stanton at 67, Nelson Cruz at 78, and Marcelo Zuna at 91. You know, yes. So give me, give me on base plus slugging plus slow. I don't care. These guys. Our potentials for 200 ribbies plus runs plus 38 plus home runs. Is this the last hope for Albert Pujols value? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it's a, you know, it's funny you say that. You would have no idea of knowing this. He was one of my favorite players, you know. And that, it, it's, that was always weird for me because I'm such a big Yankee fan that I don't really find I love players outside the pinstripes. And I, maybe that's normal for people. Man, I loved Albert Pauls. God, I could never get enough of him. And I just want him to walk away. I feel bad. I, I, listen, I want him to work and I want him to make his money and, you know, chase his dream and all that stuff. But it just kills me to see such a shell such a shell. I never thought we'd see him hit below, you know, 315. I kind of felt it was like a Tony Gwynn type of thing. Mm. You know, he was never going to fall off, but. I grew up in New York, too. I was the same way with Michael Jordan. You know, here I'm kind of a Knicks fan, but not really. And the thing is, is Michael Jordan was so special. You just you couldn't help but root for him. He was just amazing. Uh, he, how many times he stuck the dagger in us <laughs> and he had no you have nothing to do. Even as a child, I was just like, yeah, you're the man. You know? <laughs> hey, That's me- what it is. You know, you had to tip him. One more quick question. You know, a player that I, I feel like is a forgotten star often, oh. and you know, considering oh. he just won the World Series, where would you take uh, Juan Soto in a best ball? Good question. Oh, he Juan Soto is an amazing baseball player, and I think we're looking at like a perennial MVP for the next like eight years, let's say. I also think this is the last year in any format you can even dream about getting him outside of number seven, let's say, just in case his, you know, his 10 to 12 steals kind of hold him out of format, you know, at the top there. Let's say if I have any pick outside of, outside of six, because again, remember, in po- you know, points leagues, you know, start the top, top starting pitchers are the top, top finishers. So if you don't get one of the top three hitters at like four or five, you should be thinking about DeGrom. So and what's your, what's your, uh, what's your top seven ranking in uh, point in uh, best ball? Wow. Okay. Let me see. Let me see. Okay. Trout is the, is a clear number one for me. Like it is just an, yeah, he's, 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 Gr- he's Gradsky. Right. For me, he's the, he is the, he is the top of the mount easily. Now I remember that say Soto could be two. Yeah, That's what listen, I was asking. Acuna out. See, Acuna out scored Trout last year, but it might. It was probably a games played thing. Right. But it does go to show you how enough steals 
it, listen, I'm still not chasing steals. But a guy that has a full basket of skills, having steals can put you over the top. So let's see. I think, man, uh, uh, point league. Okay, Trout is one. For me, Yelich is two. Acuna is three. Bellinger is four. DeGrom is five. But Betts has such a good plate discipline, too. Yeah, I think... Oh, man. Soto six, Betts seven? Or Soto and Betts flipped, man. I don't know. You know what I mean? I mean Soto I'm could not- get walked so... I mean, they could pitch around him now with, with Rendon out of that lineup. And, I mean, you've got... I didn't really think about that, and it's very, it's very true. It's very yeah. true. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, that sometimes, I, I don't know, it could be getting a little, you know, we might be getting a little cute with that. You know, I try not to overthink it, right? Do you want Juan Soto? The answer is yes. You know, <laughs> you it's guys funny. Know, you guys it, know who uh, led the league in intentional. After, you know, 10 years, after 10 years of trading professionally that I realized my process was probably five to six times longer than it needed to be. And it wasn't until I sh- simplified that. Yeah. You know, and I think we talked about this, Zach, right? Get, blow me a kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Kiss, kiss, <laughs> kiss. Simple, stupid. Sometimes we overthink our own. Sometimes you just know, keep it stupid. What's that? So I, just, I, just, I just have a saying, keep it stupid. Just keep it stupid. I just, we, just, <laughs> we stay keeping it. Right. Oh, we're S-K-I-S. We just stay keeping it stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know who uh, led the league in intentional walks last year? Oh, I don't. I don't. I will take a guess. I'll take a real guess and a fake guess. Real guess, Bellinger. That is correct. Oh, that's a good guess. Yeah, good job. And my fake, actually... my, fa- my fake guess would have been Michael Franco, and it's not a guess because I know. If you look this up, tell me if I'm right. Michael Franco, he doesn't walk. He walked 34 times last year. Half of those were intentional. I don't know why that was. Maybe to get to the pitcher. Was he batting eighth a lot? I don't know. I just came across that stat. Oh, it must be. Yes, I think. I think that's what it is. I think it was in the. You know, I think it was in the eight hole. It I've never been, seen. Right? I've never seen it where somebody has half their total walks as you know, intentional. Well, maybe and I didn't walks. even think to look at qualified <laughs> bats. That may be actually true. Uh, well, that's yeah. something. I, you know, it's funny you speaking of him. I've been finding he's landing on a lot of my, my draft champion teams. But at the very, you know, at the very, very end, um, I find it that's probably a little further out than these fan tracks leagues. Franco's probably getting drafted, but you mean you know you could probably avoid it. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a couple more pairs. You know, other pairs that I that I really liked. You know, uh, if you end up with Anderson, I think you should try and get uh, Madrigal. You know, maybe Mendick also, but definitely Madrigal. Um, let's see. Have you, uh, have you so, come uh, across or researched uh, Ryan McBroom at all? No. So he's a guy, uh, you know, I came across because of uh, some of uh, Jeff Zimmerman's work. You know, he's got this formula on guys that could – click from triple a uh, based on some of the numbers and uh you know the the people who've been you know on this list in the past are luke voigt and uh muncie muncie yeah max muncie oh man and, nice hit and, and one of them is this guy ryan mcbroom who i think was on the yankee he was the on the system. yankees and, and yeah. now he's now he's in kansas city which obviously they've got uh, you know, first base is kind of a, a competition. Ryan O'Hearn is there. I actually though. took, uh, Craig, I took Bob McBroom in my last draft champions league and picked 50. So yeah, I'm I on, was, I'm on that train too. 
Yeah, the well, I didn't realize that. I think, Craig, I, I really, more than anything, again, this is probably outside the scope of Fantrack's best ball, but I, I really dig in your process. You know, you got to, you really make sure that a lot of the quality boxes are checked, you know, before you're kind of making selections, uh, right? You have a guy who's got the potential and just a little bit of shine, plus there's a pathway, and it's a bad team. So, like, man, he's worth it. He's definitely worth the thought when you're that late. Again, I don't think he falls into a 12-team 40, but he certainly should be drafted in 15-league uh, 50s. Yeah, you're, you're touching on, on a problem that I actually had last year where I would – it's the one – you know, I, I love these draft champions, these draft and holds, because it's like you said with these best balls. They, they prep you for all of your – you know, your, your, uh, your February and March drafts, uh, that you plan. I mean, it's great. Nothing's going to be as deep as some of these leagues. The problem is, is I go into some of these auctions and I end up leaving money on the table because my mindset is these 50 round <laughs> draft and holds. So I'm, you know, I'm saving, I'm like, I want to make sure I get, you know, so it, it's, it's something I have to be more cognizant of this year. <laughs> no, I, I, it's funny you say that I, the same thing happens to me. You know, I, I get so hyper-focused on the back end of the player pool sometimes. Not necessarily looking for the ultimate jam, ultimate jam, ultimate breakout. It's just more I feel like the better I understand the back end, you know, the more proactive I can be in the front end because I know where I'll be able to fill. Because I'm not sure if there's a worse feeling at a draft, you know, in a draft room, I should say, than, man, uh, you're getting to, like, MICI and there isn't any playing time left to be had. It's a scary thought that this is somebody you need to start for you, and you don't even have a starter available. Yeah. So one last one last thing, John, before I let you go, I want to. I know we we talked about your like the deep sleepers, hibernators, and the deep DC leagues. Uh, we've gone through that. Do you have any one that you, you're you're always targeting at the end of drafts in these in these best balls um, that you're not targeting in the DCs? Like we're talking. I know we talked about people you target, but now we're talking about your deep last round guys. Um, Man, uh, I, I, it's not, even, I even, mind, even if they're not different. Um, yeah, I'm uh, try, I don't, it's not that I don't really mind sharing. I'm just trying to think if any of them, you know what I mean? I'm, how am I going to put this properly? Okay, I think when like deep diving this far back, I don't think anybody can have a piece of their set that would differentiate them as being valuable in one opposed to the other, most likely. You know, like the big mm. values because of the discrepancies we've already identified. Anybody that's worthy of a pick that late um, is probably worthy of a pick that late. One yeah, person, you're right. You're, yeah, that's but, but that's, a, that's person, a good point. You, you guys mentioned Shaw, like Travis Shaw might be a guy like that. You know, uh, a guy who's – it's funny. He's he's on the list of the biggest discrepancies uh, with 124 points. The problem is it was a 281 OBP and a 157 batting average. Pretty terrible. But um, – let me just see if there's anybody in the back. I mean, it's funny. As I'm seeing these names, they're not – some of them are names that click because of what Craig said. He's talking about pairing. So this year, I love Luke Voigt because not only do I think he was hurt and that seriously affected him, but I think you could back him up with Mike Ford with your last pick. And you might have just covered, you know, all of the New York Yankee first baseman at-bats. Uh, starting at what? Like, I don't even know. Where, where, the, where the hell is Voigt going? He keeps falling. Voigt, Voigt's back near pick 210. You know, so with pick 210 um, and pick 532, roughly, you know, you could seal up 
a full year of first base play and be really effective doing it. It's a good so, point, actually, that, that, you know, we talked about platoon and you don't really want to end up where you've got two guys splitting at bats in the same week of a best ball, but maybe guys like last year's uh, uh, Yankee roster full of injured players, a guy like Aaron Hicksley, guys who get hurt and they're just not scoring, but if you get their replacement, those guys either way are getting a full week of at-bats, so you get the injured players maybe that get a little more value than the platoon guys um, you know, in those situations. Well, I'm that- thinking of another pair, another late pair that I really like, uh, Zach, what you're asking is um, I think we could probably go to the St. Louis outfield and and score late there. Um Man, what's a young guy's name I'm missing? Is it oh Dylan Carlson? Right. So Carlson is a thing. I think he's definitely gonna be up this year. Um, and I, I think he's gonna be pretty impactful. And you got Tyler O'Neill. Right. Oh, well that that's where I was going with the, the pair. The funny thing is, even though in reality you probably want Tyler O'Neill first, his playing time should you know arise first. He's going much, 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 much later. But Carlson, you could still get near pick three hundred, right? Then you yep. could, then you could double back. Um, Tyler O'Neill is going after pick four twenty-five, and I think I saw when we were going over the bat. Um, he was one of my highlighted notes, Tyler O'Neill, because I think he was pegged for like five hundred and something at bats this year. So if he's going to get five hundred something at bats and he's going at an ADP of four fifty, that is a market inefficiency, and. You know, having those two guys really late, right? So already I gave you like two sets of pairs that are all happening after pick 300. Like even the early pick is 300. So I, I think I Austin, Austin Dean may be a guy. He is such a Cardinals type outfielder that'll end up blowing up everybody's plans and end up getting all those at bats. Oh, uh, that's wor- that's worrisome. And and I'm glad that you really did mention the risk with this because as smart as you, I sound, you know, or maybe I don't sound or anyone may sound saying, you know, I, I connect this pick and that pick and this pick and I try and do them together. Man, I've had um, great successes. Last year, one of the infields I identified on the cheap, this year it's Oakland, uh, as a lot of people know. Last year it was the St. Louis Cardinals. They were one of those 300 pairs that I kept getting. I had... Um, DeJong and Colton Wong. No, no one. Colton Wong was forgotten totally. I was getting him in the last pick. I have him on every team. And he was great. Um, uh, A miss. And this is the warning for people trying to be too cute and pairing too many pieces together. I went I went chasing after the the number five spot in the Braves rotation last year. Bryce Wilson. Uh, I had Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson. And Tuki Toussaint. And that was a major miss. It's kind of staggering that I cashed in the percentage of leagues that I did. I must have been healthy <laughs> relatively because you, you, that, you, miss, you missed him Friday. Yeah, I, right. I didn't get I didn't get Freed. He was the one I missed. Freed was the guy I missed. And I had the other three. And I kind of got like, I don't know, I bit on all that stuff, all that great stuff. And they kind of betrayed me. Um, my pick this year for back end stable is the Astros. So I think you can get, um, I start with Urquidy and then I look for Josh James and Framber Valdez. 
That's well, my. You, you saw the piece of news that came out on Josh James, right? Yeah. And I've been front running that market for a long you time. You motherfucker! Because Good thing, because you're about to. That's the one guy that is going to be ridiculous. No, it's over. I probably got my last pick of him yesterday. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. he's going to be. He's going to be inside the 300 now. Guaranteed. Oh, like, oh I, I, absolutely! Oh, absolutely! Absolutely! I mean, uh, listen. I always like to play a little game, right? Like, where would you slot him in? As you're drafting, I'm going to kind of just scroll. The other uh, guy's going to be final Alex, Josh James is Alex starting Reyes. Okay, do you take him before Matthew Boyd? No. Do you take him no. before Sean Manaya? Do you take him before Herman Marquez? Herman Whether Marquez or not answer sure. is yes to all of them. It's probably yes to at least one of them. So that puts him in ADP 170. So there's, you know. Oh, I, see, I was sorry. I was thinking to be more Herman, uh, Herman Marquez. Uh, I don't know. You think Josh James is inside the top 200? Well, yeah, because I think, uh, like I said, I'm looking at it now, and that's where I'm starting to choose him. Uh, ADP, I mean, I have my own discrepancies with ADP. I think some people are, some guys are maybe too high. But still, I, I would, I could see beginning to consider him when the next available pitchers are Minor, Marquez, Odorizzi, Weaver, uh, you know, that... If you told me and Josh James, I might even say, damn, give me James if he's the last one of the bunch. Oh, Marquez, you know what? Since he did come up, I, I'd be remiss to not mention he's a perfect best ball target if he falls. Right. So good, I good always point. keep right. I always keep Herman Marquez earmarked. And if somebody wants to overpay for him, then you absolutely let them have him. You know, but if you know, if you're in a room full of people that are not going to draft Coors pitchers, which is a real thing, there absolutely becomes a point where he's – I mean, it's funny. I don't know if there's another guy in the league, and, of course, Coors is to blame, but I kind of view Marquez on the road as an ace. So guys with blow-up potential, that phrase we always hear as well, not just Coors guys, but guys like, I mean, maybe not this year because I'm kind of down on him this year, but in the past, Masahiro Tanaka is either going to throw a gem yeah. or he's going to get blown up. Uh, you know, That's those guys, because when they throw the gem, you're getting crazy points. And- you know, he's, he's very high on my money start leaderboard. Um, somebody else... Uh, a little bit cheaper. Oh, man, who did I was I just looking at? Um, oh, Sandy Alcantara. Okay, the young buck in Miami. Most people don't realize, uh, Craig, he had seven money starts. If you're unfamiliar with it, long story short, a money start at the bare minimum is seven innings pitched with no more than one run allowed. Mm. So, And then it's any variation better of that. But I, at the I have bare a minimum, poster child for this, Reynaldo Lopez. You know, I last year wasn't he banged up? I think he didn't. Make, oh no, 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 no! Well, that's funny. No, he did. He did make it to this one. Well, I didn't really see any thirty-three stars. Shame on me. Ronaldo Lopez before, had like. I mean, it was so frustrating. I actually listened to uh, uh, Bobby Silvestri had a great podcast where he went through like the emotional experience of. Uh, benching oh, him and then yeah. watching him go nine innings with no runs and 10 Ks. And then you put him back in and he gets blown up. And it's just, I mean, that if you owned Raylo, it was, that was your experience. And it was, it was a funny thing to hear somebody else do. Yeah, he yeah. was, he was actually, uh, it's funny because I also had a second tier and that's where Reynaldo Lopez really was. So he had a, he must've had a bunch 
of seven and three, maybe, because I have him. He had seven plus starts. He had four money starts. But regardless, even even that's not bad. Um, I'm just looking at a couple guys. Um, okay, here here here's a guy for uh, people out there that's probably being overlooked. And if you find yourself short on pitching, um, Zach Plesac on the Indians uh, actually had a a 24 percent money rate. That's pretty great. That's you know the same seven inning one or less. He did that 24% of the time. So roughly one out of every four starts, he was, uh, like I'm saying, he was a scorer in best ball. And where you have to get him, which is pretty much at the very back, that's a really good return. You know, because again, like you're saying, Craig, we, you know, up and down, extreme up and downs, providing the ups happen often enough, are better than a flat vanilla that may look better as far as an overall statistical finish, but may not score for you nearly as often, if that makes sense. Yeah, here's another good point. I, recently, I heard uh, somebody uh, talking about the fact that uh, the Angels, it seem, are planning on deploying a six-man rotation, potentially seven at times, if they do end up uh, trading for another starting pitcher. So now you've got a team that you you draft their pitchers and you're potentially never getting two start weeks. Well, that's an excellent. I, I I've been personally I've been dinging Angels pitchers in point formats for that reason. I I really should have mentioned it. I it slipped my mind. No, a, a great pickup, and that's one thousand percent right. Because again, that double start, you know, that's everything. Those two yeah. starts, those are your big weeks. Bottom line. All right, I, I think we're gonna we're gonna cut it there. Um, we, I know. John, how long have you been podcasting for today? Since like when? Probably like ten o'clock in the morning. Okay, so it's, it's, like, it's been it's been it's a full, been like it's, five and a half hours. It's been it's been a full day for you. Um, so thanks very much for coming on again. You can find John on Twitter at at um, MLB Moving AVG, and you can also check out his work on the Athletic. Um, John, anything else you want to talk about in terms of the work you're doing? Anything else recent? No, um, just that I was. I, it's funny. Uh, the, the st- most recent work at The Athletic um, is my first real kind of shot at uh, player analysis, like individual player analysis. I'm kind of building an entire team beyond the 300 ADP. And yeah, if anyone does read it, please, you know, uh, I- I'd love some interaction. I haven't really got much feedback. I've gotten great interaction on the on the new metrics. The hard minus soft stuff has taken off. I love it. We're working on improving it. But uh, yeah, just check me out on Twitter, man. Follow along, share, and like, you know, get at me, bro. Awesome. All right, thanks, Johnny.